Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week. Let's kick it off with the king of them all, King Spawn, number one from Image Comics, written by Sean Lewis and Todd McFarlane, art by Javi Fernandez, Steven Segovia, Marcio Takara, Philip Tan, and Brett Booth. Now, this is a huge selling title and the kickoff of an entire new Spawn universe of titles. We got a main story starring Al himself, and then we get a bunch of backup stories that tease either storylines that are going to tie into Spawn coming forward or going to be kicking off their own titles as we go through the rest of the year. Uh, Sean Lewis, one of our favorite writers here on the show. We yeah. loved and enjoyed some stuff. This is probably his biggest thing so far, I would say. Pete, I want to go to you first because you're our spawn head on the show. What did you think about this issue? Uh, I I thought it was an interesting setup. Um, I felt like it was a little too much of just spawn uh, hanging out at a, at a funeral, like uh, commenting on humans. But um, I really enjoyed <laughs> the action in the alley stuff. I really enjoyed how we kind of got the reveal of like what that little piece of paper meant and, you know, how important it was. Um, yeah. I love paper reveals just in comics. Like when someone's like, that's actually hold- a $10 bill. I'm like, whoa, whoa. okay. You're holding okay. it in your hand. It's actual paper. You can exchange that for goods or services. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting kind of twist that like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, I, yeah, I thought it was a great kind of start. This um, is so surprising to me. I put this first because I thought this was going to be right over the plate for you, Pete. This was the best issue I have read of Spawn in years. Wow. Yes. Like, hands down, easily. Did you read Spawn the Dark Ages? Sure. I've popped in here and there, and it's mostly like the same nonsense it's been for the past 25 years or whatever. This, I was so doubtful going in, even though I like Sean's writing. This feels like a fresh fresh start for Spawn. This feels like an accessible endpoint for absolutely anybody. This is a big story that's dark and interesting. And even the backup stuff, I was like, okay, this is very typical like Spawn universe stuff, but yeah. I'm into uh-huh. a lot of this. I was so surprised. Just I mean, I, I agree wait, with you, Alex. Wait, wait, Justin, before you, I just uh. want to say, you got to be upset there's no clock, right? They have numbers. There's like a countdown going on there. It feels like classic Spawn. 
they're actually doing a spinoff that's just clock. <laughs> just every page, it just ticks down a little bit. Yeah. And because it wasn't a real clock, the numbers sort of go in weird directions and do stuff. It doesn't release, make a lot of sense. And this is, I mean, this legitimately. Do they ever release a Spawn digital clock? Because that would have been a perfect tie-in. I would have bought that. That's really funny. Um yeah. I would say no. I don't know how many... Sales of clocks have gone through the roof since Spawn did that time. (laughs) How many teenage boys are trying to buy a clock? (laughs) Oh, shit, they have a clock? I gotta get that. Spawn clock just came out. I hear they're doing a rotary phone. Give me uh, the new issue of King Spawn, some packs of Magic the Gathering cards, one of them digital clocks, please. (laughs) Excuse me, shopkeeper, put me to your newest clocks. Sorry, I'm a cool teen. I'll have a. <laughs> I'm Do talking you your freshest, radios? your freshest clocks, bro. Oh, I want a clock, <laughs> cutting edge clock. Oh, I don't even call my cell phone a phone. It's in my clock, my my pocket clock. It's mostly, and I, I guess you can make it. calls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, what did you think about this issue, Justin? Um, yeah. This, is, I agree with Alex. This issue is wow. – it expands the world in a way. Um, I like the, even the little branding bits where you have the little crown, the sort of Basquiat-style yeah, crown drawn yeah. through. Like It just feels like there's a more creative care given to King Spawn than old regular Spawn. <laughs> I mean it's the thing with royalty is we treat royalty – like kings and queens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here we are giving Spawn this kingship, and now we have to worship at his altar and read even the backups. Wow. Yeah, I thought this was great. Again, very surprised. Some classic image comics, Top Cow style oh, art going Alex on. Alex loves Spawn now. This is fun world. A big Spawn head. Yeah. Love yeah. it. No, I, I'm into it. I, I'll read the second issue of this. I We've talked about Spawn a couple of times over the course sure of the have. years, and we pop in for one issue, and I'm like, yeah, we don't need to read that again. Well, Pete, maybe you're going to love this issue of Kitty Pride, where she fights like a big clown or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to another one that I thought would be a hit right across the plate for Pete. Superman versus Lobo, number one from DC Comics, oh, written by yeah. Tim Seeley and Sarah Beatty, art by Mirka Andalfu. This is a powerhouse team here of people that I like and enjoy. Uh, Tim Seeley and Sarah Beatty collaborated on Money Shot. That's the name of the book, right? Which is super yep. Fun. Mirka Andalfo, as we've talked about a lot on the show, has been a rising star artist and writer. So, this is, as the title implies, Superman fighting Lobo, but not in the way you'd expect at all. What'd you guys think about this book? Pete, I'll go to I, you I again. This was, this was really fun. Uh, great art. I liked how the characters really looked in this book. Uh, I think that this is kind of a great setup of something. Uh, more to come, and I'm, I'm glad that they kind of put these two together. This is interesting. What do you think, Justin? Um, I really like this team. Um, they they know how to have fun in their in their comics, but also tell cool stories, and uh, and they do it here. And I'm not a big. I don't know if I made this clear. Space Wolverine. Oh, fuck is not my favorite character. And is that like, Superman oh, oh. or Lobo? Which character is that? Yeah, there's a bunch of space wolverines in this okay. book. Uh, that, that is Lobo. That is our man Lobo, the main man. Um, he basically says the same stuff that Wolverine does, but he's in space. Nope. Right? Nope. Um, but I think he's used effectively <laughs> here. Wolverine doesn't talk about himself like in the third pl- person and do these kind of bits. He says, I'm the best there is at what I do. All the time. He's not Lobo. He rides a yeah. bike. He smokes. Uh, you, you he regenerates. 
He calls right. himself Lobo. Yeah, he does. <laughs> what if they revealed uh, eventually DC and Marvel came together and they were like, same guy? Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't Surprise. believe it. Enjoy. <laughs> I mean, Pete, I don't know. What, here's the thing. You like Lobo, but he really is a tall Wolverine, which is something oh, you don't like. Stop. So I spent most of this book, even though I was very into the writing and our team, wondering how they were going to bring any of this together because they just keep throwing things out there. Yes, there's a lot going on. They do bring it together very nicely, which I was very surprised about. Uh, So that's some good storytelling structure there. Uh, Definitely interested in the place that they leave it at the end of the second issue. One thing I'll say, though I really like Mirka Andalfa's art, I don't think that was a great Superman. Superman looks weird to me. In this well, that's part. the fun Interesting. of it. Lobo. What about great. him? His his face? There's something about his face. Yeah, it's it's just not the right shape to me. I don't know. I like it. You like it? Uh, you like the shape of his face? It is interesting. Maybe his eyes are a little mean. Mm-hmm. For you. There's something, I mean, he definitely has more edge in this book anyway. There's a thing that he does where he helps Lobo out of a jam and he's like, hey, Lobo, then fries him with his heat vision. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, a little much for Superman, I think. What do you think about Batman saying he tracks Lobo when he's on Earth? You think that takes up a lot of his time? Because he's in love with him? Yeah. It's creepy. Yeah. Didn't they combine Uh, uh, Batman and Wolverine? Right? Backlaw? Oh, in, in Dark Amalgam? Darklaw in the Amalgam Dark universe. Claw. And he probably, ever since then, he was like, oh, that's Lobo, so I'm going to track him because I used no, to No, I'm him. sure Batman on his uh, back computer has, uh, you know, tracking all sorts of different people. And, you know, uh, you know yep, yeah, just Lobo. Just Lobo. There's a just whole Lobo. big computer just tracking Lobo. Anyway, fun issue. Check that out. Ice Cream Man, number 25 from oh, Image Comics from by yes. W. Maxwell Prince. Art by Martin Morazzo. As you can tell from the numbering, there's a big anniversary issue for Ice Cream Man. We got a front story, which is a classic Ice Cream Man story of a plane going down and how people deal with it. Oh, my God. And then we God. get a backup story, which is a big continuity story that they yeah. tease they may never follow up on, which seems like a meta commentary on the fact that they keep throwing out this plot stuff and not following up on it at all. But another great issue of Ice Cream Man is my controversial take. Yeah, I wow. mean, not to just Hot keep flowing. Take, bro. I'm just, Alex, actually, would you mind just editing in my review of the last Ice Cream Man comic? Sure, and just put absolutely. It right uh, because I just, I love this book. It has this this right sort of Edge, uh, darkness, sort of like Vonnegut, Kurt Vonnegutian uh, type of storytelling here. Yet in comic book form, I love the way we get to know these characters. There's a a thing that happens at the end of the book with the pilots that I thought was just really funny. And this one has sort of... That was funny. It was heartbreaking, you asshole. It was funny and heartbreaking. It was... I I think you're talking about the final panel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The... uh, the in the backup, I feel like is sort of making fun of comics that do issue twenty fives in mm-hmm. a way. Um, that it, and and I'm sure there's so much pressure. Everyone's always like, "Well, what's the larger story? What's the like yeah. the ice cream man universe?" Yeah, exactly. And I feel like uh, W. Maxwell Prince is like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Here's what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I this was a little bit heartbreaking. In this, this was like first off, super fucking stressful. Um, just insane classic ice cream man stuff where you're just on this insane ride. 
Um, and the the reveals it was heartbreaking. The backup was crazy cool. Uh, it's it's so creatively done that even when it's like uh, breaking your heart or doing fucked up shit, you're still enjoying it because of how well the writing and art is portraying everything. It's uh, it's really impressive. Totally agree. Next up, Winter Garden number one from Marvel, written by Ryan Katie, art by Jan Bazaldua uh, and Dejibri Morissette fan. This is spinning out of the current storyline in Avengers, following Yelena Belova and flashing back several months earlier, I believe, with the Winter Guard and what went on and what led them up to the point that we find them working for Dracula. And brainwashing She-Hulk over in Avengers. There's a lot of stuff going on. The sense working for Dracula is crazy to hear. Yeah, yeah. Hey, where were you? Where were you this weekend? Ugh, working oh, for Dracula. Working for Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. That Did old you, axe grinder. This is totally aside to this, except it's mildly related. I don't know if you guys picked up the free comic book day Avengers issue which introduced the Masters of Evil of the Multiverse, which is something that's going to tie into. And it's exactly what we always talk about with Jason Aaron's Avengers, where it's like, yeah. here's a bunch of toys. Have fun. Yeah. We're having a good time. Woo. He's great at it. It's yeah. all fun. It's all just fun. Super fun. This is my quibble, I think, with this Winter Card book, is it takes it too seriously, where I'm like, yeah, well, all right, let's chill out a little bit. Like, this is fun. I'm having a good time. I know you did this because Black Widow came out you're a couple of months too late and that's okay but well and that's what i, I was like this feels late from the jump a little yeah. bit but just i i think that's probably the big thing is like trying to tie it too much into continuity trying to tie it too much into black widow but as a yelena and red guardian story i had a, I had a fun time reading it what about you pete i agree yeah this is fun this is just a lot of amazing action unbelievable art some crazy team-ups uh yeah, I think this is just uh, kind of over the top uh, fighting and kind of like these kind of reveals of these like evil villain giant table things. Uh, I, I think this is great. The only thing that I do think it's missing, though, is getting back to the craziness of Jason Aaron's run is Elena Belova is very funny in the Black Widow movie. And we don't yeah. quite get that here. Yeah. Well, I think that's the danger with a lot of. Uh, a lot of these characters is they're self-serious, like you're saying. And when it's like, if anyone's picking up this book as a new reader, they're like, give me those, give me those Black Widow movie characters. So mm -hmm. like, yeah, especially when it, with it coming out so much, like time has passed since the movie. I feel like they should have gestured toward that a little bit more. But I thought that the action was cool. And I like these characters. It feels like they're always in a bad position. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Next up, Wonder Woman number 778 from DC Comics, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad and Jordi Belair, art by Travis Moore and Polina Gunnashow. In this issue, Wonder Woman continues to try to track down Janice, the woman who is killing gods all across the universe. Here we get all a, over the place. A and it's the, it's, oh, it's the same Janice from Friends, right? Yes. Yeah. Matthew Perry's girlfriend? Yes. Said, yeah. what was I don't know if anybody Chandler. ever called her that. Uh, Chandler? I don't know. I didn't really watch that show. Wow. <laughs> what was that voice? We're a cultural hole. Yes. Matthew Perry's girlfriend? <laughs> what was his name? Uh, nobody knows, right? Monica? If anybody knows what Matthew Perry's character's name was on Friends, just write us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com and let us know. I would love to find out. I uh, wish I could I remember think, the. I wish I could remember the premise of the show. Like mm -hmm. these, like these, like six people are like 
stranded is hang, hanging out. Yeah, I think yeah. they're stuck down the stranded. They're Same stranded in New York. They did last week. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, Wonder Woman. By Hello. Oh, yeah. Yes, Jesus so Christ. Wonder Woman jumps through a bunch of different universes this time instead of one afterlife like she's been doing the past couple of issues. This continues to be great. Pete? Uh, yeah, I think the art is great. Uh, I like the the villain in this. I think this is a great villain. Um, not a big fan of the kind of Batmite stuff, but uh, whatever. Uh, Too weird, tiny? Weird use of uh, Phantom Zone. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, a, I, I'm having fun here. Um, I'm, uh, I'm starting to kind of really get into this. Pete, Batmite is just short. What are you talking about starting to get into this? You've been on board since the beginning and made us review an issue that we missed. Well, yeah. Because you loved it so much. Yeah, I just think that the, like, um, you know, what Wonder Woman is kind of going through right now, it took me a little bit to kind of like get the pacing and everything, but now it's like, it seems like it's flowing better. Um, right. So I, I kind of just feel like it, uh, I know what I'm getting when I open it up and it's like, you know. you It went from being like Wonder Woman to like Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Like a question, there's a question mark in the middle for a while. Um, and Pete, Batmite is just short Batman, which is something that you like. Yeah, uh, that's not true and you know it. Okay, that seems like what it looks like to me. <laughs> me too. Um, but again, I don't read the comics. I just quickly glance through them while you're talking. Oh, cool, uh, cool, cool. That makes sense. The, um, I'd love I, to hear your two cents then. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I also love this run. I just love it. I think you maybe said this, Pete. Like, it just feels fun. Wonder Woman is a comic that can often drift into self-seriousness and like these like very high stakes, like what will she sacrifice? What will she give up in her life to, um, to save the day? And in this it's, she, it feels like she's moving forward as a character. Like she's having a little romance. Um, she's jumping around in different places that, that the character has never been before. It just feels like new territory and fun territory. Next up, Made in Korea, number four from Image Comics, written by Jeremy Holt, art by George Shaw. I'm just going to come out and say this right up front. I think this is the best, if not one of the best, uh, sci-fi books on the stands right now. Wow. This issue, we get our main kid android character has been tricked into participating in one of the first school shootings in years. The, The entire issue is brutal. To yeah. read, absolutely brutal, gorgeously yeah. and horrifically drawn, and uh, I love where this ends up. I don't know where it is going at this point or what the arc of this book is, but I am one hundred percent on board. Justin, what about you? This feels like a, a hit across the plate for you. The JT Sizzle, um, yes, yeah. This book JT just feels is real. Uh, uh, feels so uh, different from every other book, like you're saying on the stands, and it. It doesn't look away. I just can't imagine if I'm writing this book or pitching this book where I'm like, okay, issue four, um, our hero, quote unquote, is in, involved in a school shooting. Like, yeah, is, like, is with the, and it's just like, uh, okay. But like the way the story just moves through that event and like the last issue had nothing to do with that. It was way more like sort of lighthearted mischief where you had, there was an edge of something bad maybe coming. And then you get this issue and you're like, it's just wild. And I want to just say the art also is really beautifully done. Like it's sort of like watercolory in a way, like sort of that really helps give the, 
give the story like a little bit of uh, depth uh, as opposed to being like just sort of a, a, a superhero style comic. And uh, it's really good. I really like this. Uh, this was tough. Like this was such a powerful issue. I I really felt myself clutching my pearls and holding my breath while I was reading these panels. It was it's very intense. Um and so, like, I guess, like, tip of the hat to like tackling big world issues, but uh, it was it was it was kind of hard to kind of read at some points because, especially because of the kind of like the bad guys, it you know them from other issues, so to kind of see them, it was just it it was it was interesting for sure. And then, like, I really liked where the things ended up at the end of the issue. Like, it's it's really artistically well done and very powerful. Um, so it's definitely an interesting book and you should definitely check out this book. There's no question. Next up, here's one for the Justins in the audience. Dark Hawk, number one for Marvel. For all the Justins Kyle. out there. <laughs> all you Justins, all this you This goes out to you. Well, you got one Justin right here. Oh, what? Well, Dark Hawk, like number one, one for many. Marvel, written by Kyle Higgins, art by Juan Ramirez. This is not... Your dad's on Darkhawk. This is a no. new young Darkhawk with a twist. Basketball. Yeah, he's riding Ooh. a skateboard. He's got his hat on backwards, and no, he knows on, that Shakespeare was the original rapper. Oh, come on. Don't make <laughs> oh, See, now God. you're hurting Darkhawk by putting all that shit there. No. Well, what did you, you're the big Darkhawk fan on the podcast, Justin. What did you think about this reinvention yeah, Justin. of the title? Well, I like how it's very like uh, Kyle Higgins doing this, I thought is uh, it's interesting because of his other work feels right next door to this mm-hmm. um, with uh, what's it the name of the series? Cobalt? Radiant Black. Radiant Black. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so like to have both of these books coming out uh, at the same time is interesting. Uh, but this is this is very different. It, what I think Kyle Higgins does is, is takes a lot of risks and. We very sort of slow play our way into Darkhawk here. Uh, we, there's a lot to talk about basketball before we ever get to any shiny space mm-hmm. gems. Yeah. Um, but like, there's some depth here as well. Um, we get some sad things happening. Uh, this multiple sclerosis is talked about at one point here, yeah, and nice. so it, it's really it is a new new Darkhawk. And then when you get to the stuff that I think Darkhawk was known for is like uh, the sort of cheesy armor and whatnot. It gives it a little bit more to. To, to underneath it, uh, mm-hmm. so I, I'm excited to read this. I I really like the the start of like showing somebody's struggle and like what was kind of taken away from them a little bit. Uh, we're kind of really seeing somebody go like focus their life on a goal and then have that taken away, and kind of like seeing them at kind of a low point, which is an interesting place to start. Um, yeah, I thought. Uh, like just on the art alone, it was a cool take on Darkhawk, an updated take, which I really appreciated. And uh, I thought it did a great job of setting up a world and getting you excited for more. I'm on board. I I like this. I wasn't completely into it the entire time. Because you had basketball. Yeah, yeah, basketball, which I don't understand. Darkhawk, which I do understand. Right. I... Yeah. Appreciate the fact that, first of all, they are simplifying what is going on with Darkhawk because there have been 
years at this point of galactic things going on where it's sure. they're the raptors and there's millions of them and they're evil and some of them are not evil and they all kind of look the same, but they all look a little different. So taking that and being like, yeah, there's just one of them. He has a crystal. We don't know where it came from yet. He has powers. He was related to these other people is a much nicer, simpler in yeah. for this book here. Took it back to basics. Exactly. It feels very much like Jaime Ray's Blue Beetle to me. Yeah. The other one from the Marvel end that I call out is Sam Alexander Nova. Same sort of thing, which blows out eventually, and that's fine, and I'm sure he'll end up in space and with Guardians of the Galaxy, but this is a nice place to start it. So while I didn't love this first issue, I think there's enough there and enough of a good starting place that I'm on board for the second one, personally. I like how you uh, don't know anything about basketball, but you gave the Toronto Raptors a shout out there. That was interesting. Yeah, that's definitely what he meant to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me try to explain basketball in terms you can understand. It's like all the players are like planet Kryptons. Okay. And they're <laughs> and whenever they have the ball, it's like they're shooting a little baby Superman into oh, the earth. Okay. <laughs> oh, I get it. And, and the hoop is like Mon Pa Ken, right? Exactly. It's okay. this, the loving the comfort of a Midwestern family. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Great. Let's move on and talk about Echo Labs, number one from Image Comics, written by J.H. Oh Williams III and W. Hayden Blackman, art by J.H. Williams III. We had both of these fine fellows on our live show this week. Definitely go and listen to that interview. I thought it was great. I was very happy yes. to hear all about their process and how they tackle this wildly, insanely visual book. That mashes up every single story in existence into one story here. And if you know this team from Batwoman or any of their other work, it is unlike anything you have ever read before. What did you guys think of it? It is. It's amazing. I mean, it's just it's amazing. I mean, we talked about the the way they just approach design in their books. Like it feels like just leaps and bounds. They're looking at. The, the larger scale, they're trying to push borders, the panel design and shape, the way you can enjoy this book, like from reading it, from enjoying the art, you could put, hold it at the your arm's length away and just enjoy the, the widescreen version about? of it. I did want to ask this on the show. What are you talking about with you could hold it close to yourself or you could hold it far away from yourself? Because, because it's visually, there's so many layers to it. If you hold it up close, there's all these little things, but you look back, there's a bigger picture going on. Yes, exactly. Each, the, okay. each two pages. So this book is laid out landscape landscape format. So like yeah. you open it sort of the long way, and if you it's hold like it out, Calvin it, and Hobbes. Yeah, it, you hold it out. It's uh, telling like the whole story. I want to see that sort of whole page. So you mm-hmm. can't read the words; you're just taking in the art because it's on the other side of the room. And if you like the, put it far away from yourself, and then like kind of look at it and let your eyes cross a little bit, kind of closer, you, it becomes three yeah. D, right? Yeah. yeah, it's Alex, It's like you smoke a cigarette like this, and I smoke a cigarette like this. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. That's a cool way to smoke a cigarette. Oh, over that's there. right. Okay. And for those of you listening at home, I did the classic over-the-head cigarette smoke. <laughs> Hickory dickory dock, motherfucker. Yeah. Wow. And that's Alex's catchphrase if you don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yep, me. It's purely me. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to kind of like, when we interviewed these people, I just wanted to kind of geek out about what they're accomplishing in comics because they are yeah. doing something that is really impressive. Comics have been around for such a long time. And when they team up on a book, 
They're visually trying to give you something different. It is so refreshing. We talk about being sucked into a world. This comic kind of reaches out and grabs you and pulls you into this whole nother kind of way of looking at it. And it's it's really impressive. There's a lot of layers to this. There's a lot of different things to kind of like enjoy about it. I mean, just the color red alone is fucking magical in this book. It is uh, really, really cool, really, really creative, and it's it's just a joy to be able to read and experience. Totally agree. Next up, Cable Reloaded, number one from Marvel Comics, written by Al Ewing, art by Bob Quinn. This is part of the last Annihilation event, and guess what? Old Cable is back. And he's working for Abigail Brand and Rocket Raccoon to try to take down Dora Mamul, who is trying to take <laughs> over Mamu. the universe. Dora Mamul. <laughs> what just happened to your voice? Dora Mamul. That, that's how you say it. Dora Mamul. Anyway, uh, Pete, you like Big Cable. I Yeah, I do. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, I like, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know what you're trying to do to me. but um, Nothing. I thought there was there was a lot of fun bits in here, a lot of fun bits that I really appreciated. I thought you know this is kind of over the top and fun in a lot of different ways. Um, yeah, I, I was I was having a great time, and you know if you have a giant gun, you better show a giant bullet. You know what I mean? Uh, yes, I mean that's how it works, probably. Yeah. Um, that's what Chekhov uh, said uh, when he was writing his plays. <laughs> when yeah. he was writing Cable Reloaded. Uh, yeah, written by Anton <laughs> Chekhov. Uh, I I mean, it's lame to say, but I like old Cable. Like, mm-hmm. hey, kids, Cable's old again. Rejoice. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not something you expect to be like, hooray, but yeah. I do. I prefer the character. Like, I've loved his, the story. There's that epic run back in the day where Cable went forward in time um, with mm-hmm. Hope, uh, fleeing Bishop, who was trying to kill Hope because um, she was going to ruin the X-Men, ruin mm-hmm. the world. Um, and that's old Cable. Old Cable traveling forward in time. This was a little more, like, original old Cable, a little Liefeldy. Um, yeah. there, at one point, he talks about his pouches I think he said, yeah, there's I got all the extra jokes. I want in yeah. my pouch here. And yeah. it was just like, in one pouch, it was like, you got a lot of pouches, kid. Yeah. Um, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I, I'm just going to, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. You finish. Um, so, so but this was fun. Um, I like to see also uh, all the sort of old X-Force characters as well. I was at a toy store today because I took uh, my kids, my daughters to the doctor's office. And in the toy store as a treat, um, I was looking through, and there was a Matchbox car that was Cable's car. <laughs> wow. And I was like, well, this has never been featured in the comics for sure. And I just, the, the thought of anybody um, wanting to drive Cable's weird truck. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like an awesome wheels. truck. That is, uh, what is that based on? Oh, I guess it's mm-hmm. his colors. It's his colors, yeah. and there's a little X on the license plate okay. in the front. But yeah. the whole thing, I was like, "This is, guys, this is a reach." Yeah. Oh come on, they're just trying to sell Cable cars. Drive a car. He time travels. Body slide. Oh, yeah, he one. body slides. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah there, can body slide one. My favorite <laughs> panel of the week is in this uh, is in this comic, and it's uh, Commander. There's a knife in your face. I lost it. I mean, I just lost it. It was really funny. Man, well, let me ask you guys a question. Is your cable getting lost in time, do you think? Do you want to see it kind of like time travel, see your cable 
get a little younger instantly. Because if you do, you're probably going to want the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped, including the Lawnmower 4.0, as well as the uh, Weed Whacker Ear, Nose, and Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Provider Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag, which I like to call a pouch, that you can hold mm. everything in. You can just stuff all of that in there. You know Cable's got uh, a lot of manscaping to do. Because once once everything goes gray, it's much harder to keep track of. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, but that's why you need this great package, uh, which features the Lawnmower Trimmer 4.0, the Weed Whacker Ear, Nose, and Hair, Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and as Alex said, the travel bag. The yep. thing that will take it as you go. Um no, this I, has a f- I will just mention that if you have some sort of uh, virus, some sort of like cybernetic virus that's slowly eating yeah. away at you, I don't know if this is going to take care of that, but there are a lot of bells and whistles on the Lawnmower 4.0, including skin-safe technology, uh, 7,000 RPM motor, a multifunction on and off switch that can engage a travel lock. I think that's something Cable would need for all the time travel he does. Some sort of time travel lock, you know what I'm talking about? It's even Mm. waterproof. And I don't want to forget this other than as Pete will get angry. Pete, what does it got? Tell him about the light, Alex. 4,000K LED spotlight you can turn on and off. You You can turn on and off. That's crazy. You got to have a spotlight for your night. Come on. Uh, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Hey, <laughs> if you want your old cable to look like young cable, make sure to pick up this package. And now we're going to move back to the reviews. Wonder Girl number three from DC Comics, written by Joelle Jones, art by Joelle Jones and Adriana Mello. This is continuing the saga of Yara, the new potential Wonder Woman, working in all the different uh, iterations of the Wonder Woman universe, except for Wonder Woman herself, except for Diana herself. Um, But it continues to be a gorgeous book to look at, if nothing else. What did you guys think about this one? Yeah, I agree. It's it's unbelievable art. I, I'm really liking this kind of version of uh, of the character. I feel like this is just a, a great adventure book, um, and it's just kind of like magical in all the right ways. And uh, I I just think it's just such a kind of different feel. That's uh, that's very nice. Uh, it's if you're like, yeah, I like Wonder Woman, but I'm looking for a little something different. This is a great answer to that. It's a great time to be a Wonder Woman fan, to Pete's point, because uh, this book is great. It's a beautiful adventure. And then the main Wonder Woman book we just talked about, like, it's a whole new Wonder Woman world. Yeah. Uh, great way of putting it. Next up, St. Mercy, number one from Top Cow, written by John Zer Platten, art by Attilio Rojo. This is about, I believe, an Incan girl. Mm who seemingly is resurrected back in Western times or something like that. Resurrected, yeah. Resurrected. Yes, I said it wrong. Thank you, Pete. Uh, and there's <laughs> I was a lot just going trying on. to help, man. I wasn't hey. trying to be a dick. Oh, it's all good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Lots of stuff going on in this book. The art's very <laughs> nice. It's very there, top cow. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious if there's a larger, the larger point here to the sort of the two cultures we're touching on here. Um, I, I hope there is. 
I think that was the thing that was holding me back from it, frankly, is it didn't seem like there was an exact connection between what was going on. Um, certainly we get uh, the Incan gold has shown up in this Western uh, era. So that's what some of it is. But it's not abundantly clear what the idea is, at least until the end, when we get a weird supernatural twist. Pete, what did you think about this? Yeah, I, I think this is like kind of um interesting setup. First off, the coloring and everything in this comic is really phenomenal. They use some really great tones to kind of uh, have the two different set pieces so you kind of know which world you're in, which I really appreciate. We kind of get a twist at the end that ties it all in. I think it's a, a little tough because there's a lot, there's different stories going on in the first issue. So you're kind of like fed the main character and then you kind of walk away from it and then you get it at the end a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping moving forward we're going to get more of a clear storyline. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that the it, it looks great. It kind of feels like a great setup. I hope they kind of deliver on it. Uh, Let us move on then and talk about Alien Number 6 from Marvel, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Salvador LaRocca. We're getting a wrap-up of the first arc, I believe, here with some big changes for the book in terms of the main character that we're following, what's going on in the space station where he's trying to rescue his son. What did you think about this issue, and what did you think about the arc as a whole? Well, Uh, I... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You go. I was just going to say the art and kind of like the alien look is like this old school kind of like really great uh, epic kind of vibes, which I really appreciated about how the alien looked. It, it was it kind of reminds me of like some old line of like uh, dra- or drawings from like metal magazine and stuff. Um, and I, I kind of really liked how this ended. I thought it was a kind of a, you know, we've seen so many different iterations. So it was kind of like a. Uh, interesting way to kind of continue the story. Um, but yeah, I thought this was epic and cool and all the right ways. Um, yeah, and it was, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Justin? It's hard to hit the marks. It's hard to hit the marks of an alien story because they have uh, particular pieces that we expect. Uh, it's hard to do that and also tell an original story. And I, I give Philip Kennedy Johnson a lot of credit. He's a writer I really like. Um, he really seems to care for his characters, and uh, but that doesn't make them perfect. And we get a lot of that in this first arc. Um, so I am very excited to hear, to hear what's next. Cool. Let's move on and talk about Superman 78, number one from DC Comics, written by Robert Verditti, art by Wilfredo Torres. Like with the Batman 89 book that recently came out, this is continuing the world of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Here we get to see Christopher Reeve Superman fighting Brainiac, something that we never got to see on screen. Pete, you seem particularly excited about this one. Go ahead. Yeah, I thought this was a great kind of shout out to the the movie, the old school movies, and the the tribute to Richard Donner in the beginning was very very cool and well done. The art does such a great time of kind of like really uh, uh, making you feel like you're back in that time period. Um, yeah, I I love the kind of mustard on the shirt bit. Uh, there's just a lot of like. This felt like a fun Superman book, which you don't get that feeling a lot. Um, so, yeah, I was I was very much enjoying the stylized kind of take on Superman. I think it's a cool idea to go back to this specific kind of feel and time period. 
I'm surprised it took, I mean, you see occasionally in, in Superman arcs, uh, Chris, sort of Christopher Reeve's face pop up on Superman, but mm-hmm. I'm surprised it took so long to really do it as a title because it's mm-hmm. great. And it, it's a Superman that I think people f- from our generation love, like has really endured. Um, and so this is really cool. I think the art is both retro, but also new feeling. So it doesn't feel like you're like reading an old issue by any means, or they're like purposefully trying to make it that way. It just feels like good, clean art. And I love this brainiac, this like weird clunky robot brainiac who's like, I'm so smart and intelligent, but my joints are not great uh, (laughs) at working. Um, and it's It's, uh, it's 78 bro, you know? Yeah. Yep. I know. Good stuff. Definitely pick that up. Next up, The Department of Truth, number 12 from Image Comics, written by James Tyne the fourth, art by Martin Simmons. In this issue, uh, editorializing here, but I feel like we get back on track with the story Ooh. as we follow the demon-type character that had been terrorizing our main character back when he was a kid. And we find out some twists and turns in terms of who he thought were his allies. And it seems like we're going to get some big answers about what's going on in this world very soon. Justin, what do you think about this one? Uh, I continue to love this book. And I feel like um, your setup of this book is a continuation of your review of the previous issue, which you felt like deviated from our main story too much. And get him. Get them. Well, not here. I'll get them in this way. I hear what you're saying. This book has a lot of ideas going on, and they're not sort of in order. They're all on the table, and I think James Tynan's just constantly shuffling them around. Um, so a little more clarity, I think, would help, and we get that here um, while still uh, retaining all of this like world building, uh, building out on the premise because the premise itself is a little slippery. It's hard to exactly. hold on to. Um, so it takes a lot of reiteration to really get it to be, to continue to have it in your brain, which I, the genius of the book is I think that's sort of the premise as well. Like when you reiterate something over and over again, it becomes true. And that's, we're reading the book in the same way the characters are experiencing the world. Yeah, I agree. When you reiterate something over and over, it becomes true. Like if you reiterate it, like you Mm -hmm. say, say like you iterate it and then you reiterate it. Right. When you say it again. And you say it several times again, it's something that just, uh, by definition, becomes the truth. The only danger is if you just reiterate it and you don't say anything in addition. <laughs> you just, you're just reiterating an iteration. It's like that improv rule. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think this continues to be a, a tripped out good time. Um, you know, this is such a kind of interesting concept and it's... The, the legend and lore of different kind of things uh, uh, kind of makes this a very unique book. I think that artistically they do a lot of interesting things in this book. It t- continues to deliver. And it's this the classic age-old tale of, like, what if you met the devil when you were a kid? And then you would, like, spend the rest of your life, like, questioning it. Maybe you'll build it up a little bit or, you know. So it's a, it's a very what? interesting what? concept. <laughs> what and, classic uh, age-old tale. What did you say? Classic tale of being the devil as a kid and building it up? Yeah, I was just having some fun seeing if you guys were paying attention. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think hey, this... Hey, Pete, I got news for you. When yeah. we're talking on this podcast, I'm... I'm paying attention. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're talking to each other. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. I wasn't sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I think. I just the, wait for you guys to stop talking and then I start. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I just think this is. Chew. Uh, numbers. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
It's <laughs> creatively, it continues to be very impressive. Let's move on and talk about Robin number five from DC Comics, written by Joshua oh, Williamson, art by Gleb. It's not switching it up. I was making a joke. Gleb Melnikov. This is a title, Pete, that you specifically, Pete. specifically wanted to ask, add to the stack, mm-hmm. despite the fact that it's a piece of shit book. No, Whoa. no, no, I like this book. Holy uh, this shit. is Robin in the middle of a Mortal Kombat style tournament, Robin. takes a break to go to Gotham City and hang out with his friends, which is the same thing that I used to do in the middle of a Mortal Kombat tournament. So I related to this very hard. Yeah. You mean at the arcade? Yeah, at the arcade. I'd be like, let's go get pizza. This is boring. Uh, <laughs> I, I love the touching stuff in this book. There's a lot of like heart to hearts. Uh, moments and I, I I really enjoy that stuff. Uh, plus the promise of next next month all out fight scenes. Um, but yeah, I just think this is amazing art. I love the rooftop race. Uh, yeah, this this is just a. I, I was really moved by this book, uh, and I wanted to kind of talk about it. What, what, what moved you so much? Because I I, I like this book. Um, it just feels like some boilerplate Robin action. Uh, yeah, but Robin's there's doing... Robins talking to other Robins about the Robin mantle in a way that feels kind of it's, new. It's it was Alfred, like... wasn't it? It was because they were talking about Alfred. Well, yeah, there, there was that is. too. There yeah. was that too. You Very love much. Alfred. Like when yeah. Alfred would come down and be like, sir, are you tracking Lobo today? <laughs> <laughs> I believe he's arrived on Earth. <laughs> I don't so know why I that's funny. Some I don't know why that's funny. You probably did that, you fucking assholes. Rest in peace, Alfred. I've assembled some snow crab legs for you to eat in your cave computer. <laughs> and the, don't spill the melted butter or you'll lose track of Lobo, who has arrived back on Earth. <laughs> Alfred, you genius butter, that's the key. <laughs> I enjoy this book. I think the art yeah. is fun. Uh, I like fun. following Damien. It's good. I agree with Pete. I know we're being hard on you, but there are some good touching moments in this issue. It is very weird to me that he took a break in the middle of a Mortal Kombat tournament. But yes. That's you what gotta it is. Do. It's good. You gotta, you gotta have a little time out, a little Gatorade, a little refresh. You know what I mean? Uh, let's move on and talk about some hot Chew. night. Hot night grandma action over in Once in Future number 19. From Boom Studios, written by Karen Gillen and art by Ted Bora. As we found out in previous issues of this book, they have completely changed the world of this book, where Otherworld has taken over the real world, and now Arthur and Merlin are enacting their plan to rule supreme. There is a wild twist that maybe we should have seen coming, I think, at the end of this issue, but mm-hmm. it's absolutely brilliant anyway. This continues to be a lot of fun. Pete, over to you for talking about how the grandma is great. Yes, uh, just continues. She, she, I will say, Pete, she doesn't do a ton in this issue. Oh, how dare you? I mean, how dare you? All right. She puts on fucking uh, not brass knuckles, but horseshoe knuckles. Uh, and well, she doesn't. But uh, the, the son punches. Of, I, it's just really great. It's really. Sons are grandmas. <laughs> what? Sons, sons and grandmas so, together. Sons or grandmas. I'm just helping you out, Pete. Oh, okay, thanks. Uh, Appreciate it. Got you. Sons or grandmas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like grandma losing it and telling people things are never going to go back to normal. I mean, that hit a little too close to home. But I, I just think that this is like 
over the top kind of fun in such a uh, interesting, uh, cool way. And it's nice to see a feisty grandma, uh, you know, fucking go to town. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's amazing. We we call you out about loving the grandma. We make fun of you a little bit about it because you keep highlighting older grandmas in books that do cool things. And then every time you're like, and, you know, I got to say, I love my new <laughs> you, you do it again. And I will say, much credit, you will not be uh, taken off your path by us being no. jerks. But it is very funny that we are making fun of you for this, but you do just love a grandma doing stuff. A badass grandma is just, it's a, it's a win-win situation. I also, while we're giving you compliments for this weird bit, I appreciate the fact that you add a different adjective almost every time to the grandma. Tonight it was a feisty grandma, which is very different from, I don't even remember what podcast we were talking about night grandma's on, but yeah, <laughs> that was the we previous did. one. Yeah. Um, now, Pete, what, what if your grandmas heard all your talk about how grandmas should be feisty? Would you want your grandmas to be a little feistier, to be a little edgier? Uh, first off, rest in peace, but Grandma LaFage was one of the most feistiest grandmas of all time. You only Interesting. Had one. So, what's that? Did you have one or two? Well, there was Grandma Boehner and then uh, Grandma LaFage. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but Grandma LePage was the feisty one. Grandma LePage was the feisty one. Grandma Boehner was the nice one who cooked unbelievable food. Nice. What if Grandma Boehner was feisty, too? That's the next episode of What If. Don't spoil it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we are. Two number seven from Image Comics, written by John Lehman, art by Dan Boltwood. In this issue, we're continuing our wine heist that we've been following with yes. the main character, there's a big twist at the end there that we probably should have seen coming from a mile away, but I still enjoyed it anyway. <laughs> very fun issue, very dark. They sold this as Breaking Bad, but in the Chew universe, and I think they are paying off on that promise. Justin, what'd you think? Well, <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to give me a little modifier there. Um, I uh, I didn't really read Chew. <laughs> C-H- no, C-H-E-W, the series. Oh. Um, and uh, I, you guys really liked it. You talked about the show. I was like, ah, it's fine. I'm fine with it. But I've been really loving C-H-U, this series. And uh, hmm. maybe I just like the darker take on it. It's a little more like Classic. the more villain side of it. Uh, it's a little more uh, freewheeling, I guess. Or like, I guess I just like, I like the main character better than, mm-hmm. than the original shoe book. And so... Uh, I like this book. Speaking of freewheeling, uh, they push a old guy in a wheelchair right into traffic. I mean, come on, man. Now, do you feel like old grandpas are cool, too? <laughs> no, not this one. I don't think or, this one was. Poor, you don't poor like guy. grandpas. You like single night grandma. <laughs> Grandpapa, know. stay home because it's grandma's night out. Feisty grandmas are out on the town and ready to... Clown. Clown. Oh. Clown? Yeah, down to clown. Oh boy. With Pete LePage. Yeah. Uh, uh, I ahead, think Pete. this is, yeah, this is just fun. It continues to be great. I agree with Justin. There's a nice focus on the more kind of villainy bad side a little bit in this book, which is is refreshing because we're used to the kind of nicer other two. So this is kind of a, a funner, darker version. Um, but yeah, this. You know, it's very smart. It's very funny. There's always great kind of visual uh, stuff in in the Chew books. So, uh, yeah, very much enjoyed it. 
Next up, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number two from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by John Timms. I was very curious to check about this one because we were a little mixed on the first issue. I think we generally we enjoyed it. But we liked Tom Taylor. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was mixed on it. I, I think you were mixed yeah, on it. Yeah, I was I mixed on it. I felt like this is a good, solid issue, but I'm not 100% sure where we're going with this title at this point. It That's become, the beauty of a first issue is it's uh, it's not a complete. Yeah. I read the first issue and I was like, why is this not the entire 100-issue story? And I was very mm-hmm. frustrated about that because yeah. I'm a big dub-dub. This issue actually feels like it kicks off the first arc of the book. We find out more about John Kent and what he wants and what he wants to do. There's some fun twists in here and there's fun t- setups particularly without totally ruining it, ruining it. If you're a fan of the Wildstorm universe, a big thing happens at the end here. What do you guys Take think about easy. this one? Take it easy. I'm spoiled. I love the tone of this book. I love that um, it's a young hero who's like, I want to change the world for the better. And the struggle of that and the, the sort of small micro version of that and the sort of the larger macro version of that. And I just think across the Superman line, the way that um, – Superman and and uh, and Connor here have been talking to each other. John Con- John Connor, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, John Connor, John Connor John from Connor. the Terminator series. Yeah, have you seen this uh, one? Yeah, the way they talk to each other is really great. It's just really great father son stuff. In in different books, the stakes are sort of in different places, but um, I just really like that. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm getting more and more excited about this book the more we read it. Each issue gets more and more exciting. I, I think this is such a cool idea of a younger Superman who wants to do more. You know, I think this is uh, could be very cool to see a different kind of Superman or who's maybe more political or maybe isn't just flying above things, but kind of getting into the mix and staying uh, on the ground more. Or I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I like this idea of Superman doing more. Um, and I think that that could be a really cool thing to tackle. So uh, I got a lot of high hopes. Next up, Amazing Fantasy number two from Marvel by Kare Andrews. In this book, we're getting a weird remix of the Marvel Universe as Black Widow, Spider-Man, and Captain America in the first issue died and then ended up in some 50s or 60s inspired fantasy heaven. Here we're finding out a little bit more about that and the different places that they are in. This book continues to be gorgeous because Kare Andrews cannot draw anything that is not gorgeous. But it's very strange, and I'm not quite sure what to think about it, honestly, at this point. Curious to hear from you guys and your take. It is very strange, especially the last page. Uh, Specifically, I was like, huh? Uh, (laughs) But but I like it. I like these characters outside of their elements. Pete, if you have something to say, I think you should say it. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's interesting because uh, in the live show... Uh, Zalbin was kind of like really hyping this book, but then when we get to it, he was like, oh, I thought it was weird. So uh, I'm just wondering what happened what in I between. Do. I don't know what you guys do, but if we want to pull back the curtain a little bit, we're talking about Ooh. what we're excited about. What I usually try to plug in the live show is what was at the top of my sack, regardless of what I actually thought of it. So the thing when we were going through these titles, the title that I was most interested in was Amazing Fantasy, huh. which comes out mm. today. However, that is not my favorite thing in the stack. 
Wow. Yeah, it's a real That's behind cool. the I do it from the perspective of we're, we're taping it Tuesday night. We haven't read it yet, right? <laughs> yeah, I think oh. we all do that because we haven't read it yet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we're taping this live on Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. It's not Tuesday night now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. I'm drinking this pumpkin beer at uh, nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that's that's very healthy to do. Me too. It's breakfast. Start your day right. It's got a lot of. It's got pumpkin, which has vitamin C in it. It's a classic know. breakfast thing. Pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. Uh, Finish your pumpkin. It's time for school, kids. <laughs> oh, do I have to? <laughs> Pumpkins make you strong. Ride it all. <laughs> um. I, I think uh, <laughs> I can stop doing that if that's no, weird. <laughs> no, I think no. it's I think it's I just good. Didn't it's, know it's, that. it's the right spirit. Yeah. Well, yeah. When, let me. I'll put you behind my uh, curtain a little bit. I am often either putting up a book that um, that I personally um, I like. The, when I like first opened the page, it, like in a little bit in the vein of you, I'm like, this is comfort. This is what I wanted. So mm. like satisfaction of it. That's why um, I picked Ice Cream Man this week. Uh, but I also mm. use that spot to be like, no one. I feel like no one's reading this book, and this book is actually surprising, interesting, or unique in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting, fun. And Pete, you just, just straight up talk about what your favorite book for the week was. Well, no, what I try to do is if I feel like. There's something like Justin is saying that isn't being talked about. I might want to hype that up. Mm-hmm. But I, what I try to do is have something that like I is my kind of like go to, you know, um, and then something that w- I was surprised by. Um, yeah. So that's why you, I like I try to tr- do something a little different. See, I thought you did it by just smashing your hand with a hammer and whatever name you screamed. <laughs> that's what's your pick. Oh, yeah. Because oh, I was such a I was going to put Superman uh, 78 number one as my surprise. But then after I read Echo Lands, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me with this. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, but Amazing as far fantasy. as this book is is concerned, uh, you know, it still kind of reminds me a little bit of Spider-Man Reign with the artsy style that they're taking with the characters. Um, wow. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I definitely reading a Kari Andrews books where Spider-Man is starting to romance some woman. I was like, he's got radioactive sperm lady. You got to be careful. What? That's where you're you mind for Spider-Man rain. Yeah. Well, that's what's the plot of Spider-Man oh, rain. Right. right. MJ yeah. gets cancer from his radioactive sperm. And you got to think what doctor really told him that. What doctor mm-hmm. was like, Hey man, I checked. It was Dr. <laughs> Octopus. Oh, yeah. Man. Wow. <laughs> Who is, who is MJ's doctor. This is, this is really fun. This is anyway, Amazing Fantasy, either. gorgeous book to pick it up. Mother Madness, number two from Image Comics, written by Amelia Clark and Marguerite Bennett, art by Layla Les. In this issue, we are getting our new hero character is exploring her powers and figuring out with her new team. I knew you guys were very high on this book. How do you think huh. it panned out in the second issue? Uh, well, let me say... Um, I mentioned this on our Riverdale podcast because uh, when I was visiting my family uh, last month, I watched mm-hmm. a lot of uh, live with uh, Kelly and Ryan. Yeah, uh, because yes, I remember you talking about this. Is really but, paying off for you on several uh, podcasts. It, it, it really, it really affected me because yeah. Amelia Clark was a guest on there, and it was right mm-hmm. when the first issue came out, and. 
Um, I think we sort of speculated about this when we were reviewing that issue, um, that she was actually very into this and really wants to say something with this book. And when she was interviewed um, by legendary interviewers, Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest, uh, comic book journalists, um, (laughs) she actually, you could really hear her passion. She talked about it so much and had the books on the shelf behind her. She was like very like uh, really pushing this. And I, I, that's all to say, uh, not to just talk brag about my daytime television viewing habits. Yeah, huge um, brag, by the way. A huge brag. That's what I call a flex. Uh, Rip a flex. Uh, I think that you can see it in the book. You can see the the passion and the real um, uh, gesture toward like an attempt to write a story that has a longer, uh, is meaningful and has like sort of a longer reach. Yeah, I think that this is very creatively cool. I mean, the panels are really interesting and really cool. Uh, the story has a great kind of like flow to it. It's an interesting new character. I love the kind of end kind of kind of like pin up that we got. Like, look out, mom's home, like flex. Um, I, I, yeah, I think this continues to be very interesting. And uh, I'm kind of like we're just still kind of collecting information. So I'm excited to see like how this is all going to unfold and what's going to kind of go from here. I think your criticism, Alex, last time where there were a lot of ideas and it wasn't really figured out yet. Mm-hmm. And I also think that's true. <laughs> it, I like this issue better. I think it's yeah. slowly focusing in on what it wants to be, but it feel, are you drinking a juice box, Pete? What are you doing? right? Now? <laughs> oh, it is Wednesday morning. <laughs> <laughs> This is very much a first-time story to me, and what I mean by that is oftentimes when you get to do something for the first time, whether it's like your first comic, your first screenplay, or your first short story, or whatever you're doing, your idea is like, ah, this is the first and the last thing I'm going to do, let me put all the things in. And this feels like it is all the things. It is everything that she wants to say about being a mother, being a woman, being a superhero, working against superhero tropes, all of these things. And there's some really good ideas in there, but they're so packed in with so many things that the good ideas get lost with uh, not even the bad ideas, but just the other ideas that are happening at the same time. So it's a very complicated and dense read when it feels like maybe Marguerite Bennett, who is a veteran of comics should have been like, let's cut back on these three things just to give everything a little more room to breathe. I'm still into it. And I still want to read the third issue to see if we continue to get there. But uh, it's just too many things at the same time is my main take right now. Yeah. Let's move on and talk about something that is much more bare bones. The Invincible Red Sonia, number four from Dynamite, written by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Pambiati, art by Moritat. And in this issue, we're looping back to the place that we were in in the first issue where Red Sonia was fighting against her will. We finally find out how. There is a lot of fighting in this issue. There's... um, very weirdly censored nudity that goes on here as well. But this title continues to be great because you got a great team working on it. Yeah. And I mean, Jimmy Pamiotti and Amanda Carter Connor are going to throw some nudity in there. They love that. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, So, and I will say when I got to that part, I was like, okay, I don't know. The story. Honestly, I know Pete's going to be like, oh, gross, you're a gross person. But that's the sort of thing. It is the sort of censoring that drives me insane because it's like, yeah, 
do they just draw her nude and then blur it out weirdly? It's distracting to me. And honestly. I think they probably did yeah, because I, it, they, you don't know how the censorship is going to work. Right. It is. I wish, and I understand this is not how comics work, but I wish they would just go for the nudity so you could be like, she is nude and we could just move on from there rather than this strange blurring effect that's going on that yeah. distracts from the comic. That's all. Yeah. But otherwise, fun story. Pete? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that whole tirade you just went on about nudity, but I just I, think I've that, never like, seen nipples in my life, and I wish I could have seen them in this Red Sonia comic. That's what I'm trying to get across. Here. Okay, yeah, great. All um, of the women in your life have been blur, personally blurred, right? Blurred. Yeah, they're always I standing wish. in very steamy steam rooms. Or I wish you uh, in a, there's a fire, and like all their clothes have gotten burnt off, but the, like the smoke from the fire is still obscuring their nipples. And like I I tune in and I'm using this uh, term specifically for a comic book. I tune in for Invincible Red Sonia to see nipples on Red Sonia. And I did not see nipples. And so that's why I give this two thumbs down. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I just wish we could just keep Red Sonia's clothes on and just have adventures. Um, but I think we should keep her clothes off and she should not have adventures. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I just think that uh, this is a great team. They do a lot of fun things with this character. Uh, I love all the action and stuff like that. Uh, let's just keep the clothes on. <laughs> wow. Wow. Principal Pete. <laughs> yeah, you'd feel hey, a little different if she was a... Let's keep the clothes on. Let's keep the clothes on. A little different if she was a grandma, right, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> Dark Blood, number two from Image Comics, written by Latoya Morgan, art by Walt Barna and Moshes Dalgo. Really like the first issue of this book, which mixed several different time periods with a character who is uh, a African-American character who is getting superpowers, um, really driving home all of that in terms of the abuse that has been leaped on him. I thought this was another strong issue following up on this. I really like this title a lot. And in particular, I think the art is great. I'm very curious to see where this goes going forward. Yeah, I was going to highlight the art as well. Like, great tonal shifts between the different pieces of the story um, going from like uh, lighter and brighter and darker and uh, a little scarier. Um, Really, really fun issue. I'm curious. It's a sort of a you don't, I don't quite know where it's going to go. Like, I feel like you can usually sense it and it's this one not so. Yeah, I, I think this is such a cool, powerful book. I love it. Uh, you know, uh, showing shitty racism and the, the shitty people who are, are doing that kind of things in a, such a cool, powerful way. I also uh, really love the bookmobile. It was such a cool, bright thing that kind of like brought sunshine wherever it went. It was. It's, uh, I, I just think that they're artistically doing a lot of great stuff in this book, and I hope it continues to do well. Next up, Something is Killing the Children, number 19 from Boom Studios, written by James Tyner IV, art by Werther Dedaria. We're continuing our flashback arc as we find out how our main character joined up with the House of Slaughter. Another really good issue of this book. The end. I mean, that's pretty much all you can say at this point. (laughs) We have... Uh, 
talked about how great this book is for a really long time. Yes, I understand what you're saying, Justin, but go ahead. I don't want and to, Well, just to get specific a little bit, there's some like fun art changes here um, yeah. that uh, shake it up a little bit. And then a lot of just like uh, silent panel action um, demon fighting or monster fighting that is is cool and a little bit different from what we've gotten before. Yeah, this but is real. Uh, we're kind of really getting into this kind of like group that fights these monsters and uh, all the kind of things that they have to go through the trials and tribulations. And uh, yeah. And uh, we kind of get a lot of like kid stuff here, which is very interesting. And yeah, cause you know, when I was seeing it, I was like, there's no way all these violent kids get along. So this kind of issue makes a lot more sense in my head. Uh, but Man, just so creative and so interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we can say definitively that something is killing the children. Hmm. Oh, boy. Last but not least, That Texas Blood, number nine from Image Comics, written by Chris Condon, art by Jacob Phillips, continuing the arc, delving into the past with a seemingly satanic cult that our sheriff is investigating while in the present. He's falling asleep and getting old a lot. This book is also continually really, really good. Over to you guys for your take. I mean, this is the feisty grandpa book that I think Pete's been waiting for. Oh, yeah. Uh, If that's all you're going to say. All right. Yeah, I just think that. That was uh, a toss to you, Pete. Thanks. Yeah, the art is phenomenal. I love the different shading and the kind of like different uh, uh storylines I really think that's very well done this continues to slowly unfold almost a little maddeningly um but uh yeah it's uh it's very creative and very cool well and I like the way that this book has sort of transitioned a little bit from just like a, a crime book into uh, a little bit darker of a place mm-hmm. um and uh curious if it's gonna go full into that sort of uh that sort of side of it the supernatural side all right, and that is it for this week's overpacked stack. If wow. you'd like to support our podcast, oh, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube coming out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast, and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the virtual comic book shop. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Off to school. Have Finish your my morning pumpkin. beer. Just and they left
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.